0: you some money, man. I got two tickets, but I'm taking everybody, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hang out and turn it up. Hey, everybody. This is Kevin Martin from Candlebox, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 153 of the Iron City Rocks Podcast. I'm your host, John. Episode 153, we have got three kind of cool guests for you. We have Kevin from the band Candlebox, who've got a new album. I'm uh, going to be making the way to the Pittsburgh market to do a show at Alter Bar very soon. Also, we have a relatively brief interview, unfortunately, uh, with Eddie Money. Unfortunately, there were some technical difficulties on our end uh, recording, and I have to say he was one of the funniest guys I've ever talked to. Uh, I was told he was, quote, a talker, and he certainly was. So we want to play what we have of that interview because it is enjoyable nonetheless. And we also have a new band to introduce you to called Little Barry, uh, which is a surf rock band. So we're going to kind of mix it up and go in all different directions this time around. So without further ado, let's get into the new single from Candlebox in the interview with them.
2: City Rocks. So welcome to Kevin Martin from Candlebox. How you doing today, Kevin? Good, bud. You? Good. Good. Where are you? Where are you this fine evening? I am in
0: um, sunny, beautiful Southern uh, California, Los Angeles.
2: Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's, that sounds nice. Yeah, it's actually pretty nice here too, for once. Uh, so we uh, kind of like in that. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about what's going on in the world of Candlebox and uh, maybe do a little uh, rewind as far as, you know, how the band got started and how, how you got started in music and all that. Um, what what got you started into music and guitar and vocals and all that stuff?
0: Uh, my dad. Um, my dad was a jazz musician. And uh, so when I was growing up, I was constantly surrounded by music. And um, my, either my mother playing it or my father um playing it and both my brothers and my sister were um, musicians as well so it was kind of there I didn't know I didn't really know whether or not I would ever become a you know I guess a a musician in a band but I did I started playing in in a middle school band and then high school and continued singing in in choir and stuff so I mean it's always kind of been there for me I just never really knew I could make a living at it luckily I was in Seattle when it when it happened you know so um I was able to be in the right place at the right time but forever I just kind of you know thought I was just just making music to make music I didn't um I didn't really have a goal to be in a, a rock and roll band I guess you know if that's it uh, that's any, I was a drummer before I was a singer so I kind of I'm a singer by default now
2: <laughs> okay okay when did the guitar come into play
0: Jeez, I started playing guitar um, pro- right around the Lucy record. Um, actually, no, a little bit before that. I, I kind of had always dabbled with it, but I never, I never really owned one. So, um, the, you know, the, the luxuries of the first record allowed me to to purchase some um, some guitars to to start kind of playing with, and, and um, it seemed like an actual a very natural thing for me because it felt right and and uh and I understood it. So musically it seemed like a, a direction that I would inevitably end up going in. Uh, sorry about that. Um but Good. uh
2: you didn't do something bad, did you? And, yeah,
0: just on the run. Um <laughs> yeah. Uh with with my guitars, but no, I you know, it just it seemed like a, a natural progression for me as a musician, but I didn't again, um it didn't really feel like what I wanted to do. Uh, you know, Pick up a guitar and sing. I still, to this day, when people ask me to do it, you know, play acoustically at their house or something like with friends around, I, I won't. I won't do it. I'm totally insecure about it. So the only way it works is whether I'm I'm by myself, or I'm writing with my band, or I'm on stage. That's the only time you'll see me doing it.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I think I saw you in the early '90s, and I believe, yeah, that would have been prior to the Lucy record. So I, yeah, yeah. I definitely do not remember it from then. But uh, but yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I didn't
0: start playing until, uh, on stage, I didn't start playing, actually, until the Lizzie tour, so...
2: Okay, okay. Now, musically, what are yours and some of your bandmates' influences?
0: Wow. Um, They're all over the place. Mine um, are everything from Otis Redding to The Clash, um, Ted Kennedy's... um, Aerosmith, uh, Zeppelin, blah 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 blah. I mean everything really. For me, it's kind of everything. I my record collection, and my iTunes library is pretty funny. Um, it's all over the place. I I know for Pete, it stems a lot from the blues and um, the like late mid to late seventies metal, um, Maiden and uh, and uh, Sabbath and stuff like that. Um, he's really um, He's really, really well versed in those songs and those songwriters and those guitar players and stuff like that. Scott is um, Scott's, you know, kind of that that tech drummer. You know, he he is a is a huge um, um, Louis Belson fan and um, Neil Peart and um, and stuff like that. And and you know, Barty was kind of all over the place as a bass player. It was, you know, everyone from Jaco Pastorius to to uh, Paul Simonon from The Clash. So, I mean, musically, we—it's kind of—it's funny. You know, I've—I've I've often said that Candlebox is the happiest accident ever, yeah. because none of us should ever have succeeded as a band uh, in in the same band, because we're just so—the four of us were so different, so entirely different um, as musicians and 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 um, influences. But somehow, the the music has just worked. I do i don't—I I don't, still—I can't explain. Whether I'm maybe it's just because I'm a control freak and I control everything, but you know, somehow it just it all works and, and um you know, for twenty years now we've we've been able to and now we have a new bass player, Adam, um, mm-hmm. who is uh, you know, kinda of actually cut from the same cloth as Pete. You know, he's he's comes from that kind of uh, late sixties into the seventies, you know, metal and, and uh and rock um cloth that um so the two of them kinda of go back and forth over stuff all the time and, and I just kinda of sit back and have a laugh, you know, like it's just funny to me that they talk about these musicians I've never heard of. Uh, I wouldn't even know, you know, if I was standing there talking to you and they were talking to me, I'd be like, I have no idea who you are. Mm-hmm. But you know, um, it makes for interesting music, and and I think it. Uh, you know, we always use those influences in our songs, and I think you can anything you pull from uh, with Candlebox, you'll you'll hear um, something from from all of those.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, how did the band's name originate? I, something about a Midnight Oil song or something?
0: Yeah, I was a, I was a big Midnight Oil fan when I was a kid. Um, I had seen them in concert when I was uh, seventeen years old, and it was uh, it was just such a such an interesting, overwhelming experience for me. I mean, Peter Garrett's this amazing six foot four, very commanding front man that's yelling at me about you know, beds burning and and blue mountains and you know all sorts of stuff going wrong in the world, and you know, and this is back in nineteen whatever eighty six. Um, and and I remember thinking to myself, God, you know that guy is just. I want to listen to every word he's saying, and so I, I started buying all their albums. And and um, we were looking for band names, and you know generally when you start your first band or whatever, you kind of look through old song lyrics or book titles or stuff like that. And mm. I found a, a song by uh, Minatoel called Tin Legs and Tin Minds, where he was mentioning the Aboriginals being led to the reservations, or the they're they're not called reservations in Australia; they're just. Um, their their properties now, where they're they're kind of um, swept off to, which is an unfortunate kind of thing about the Aboriginals. The government kind of puts them where they they feel they should be, and they take their land from them. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, you know, these beautiful people boxed in like candles, and I was like, wow, that's you know, that's a really interesting metaphor. That's just this, this within this tiny little box, there's all this you know bright shining energy. If if it was just if one one match were to light that. Whole box, you know, it would just go up, and and I thought that was a really interesting um, metaphor. And I said, well, what, you know, what about candle boxes? One word, and I was like, yeah, it'll work for now. Let's you know see what happens if we come up with something better. And it stuck.
2: hmm Yeah, that's, that's definitely an interesting way to come up with a band. I mean, you know, it's one of the more thoughtful ones I've heard of for sure.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I, I tried, I tried very, very early on to be super, super um, <laughs> creative. <laughs> And, uh, and, yeah, I thought it was going to be, wow, well, isn't he just nifty? Um, yeah, so it was, it was kind of funny. I, I thought I was, I thought I was, um, really smart, and it ended up being just kind of a funny name that I think stuck. I don't think any of us really thought it was going to last that long.
2: Yeah, yeah. How about the, uh, like the lyrics and the song titles and all that? Who, who's responsible for most of that?
0: Uh, I write all the lyrics, um, and, um, generally all the song titles come from within the lyric. Um, sometimes I I wish I, like right now I'm thinking, you know, I should have just called that song on the new record Them Eyes. I should have called it Crazy Stupid Love instead of Them Eyes, but, you know, for some reason I didn't. And now I'm like, God, it's too late to change the title of the fucking song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, I mean, that's what happens. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a terrible pressure. I, I can't stand. I, I cannot stand the pressure of writing lyrics. It, it frustrates the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, really, really wish that somebody would take that off of my shoulders. But um, again, I'm a, I'm a bit of a control freak, so I. It's been my job for 20 years, and I and I continue to do it. You that there have been times where um, Pete's actually delivered some really, really brilliant lines for songs and stuff that we've used. So, there is a there is a, a give and take within the band um, uh, musically, uh, but most of it's you know most of the time lyrically, it's it's just me.
2: Mhm. Okay. Now your new album's coming out on April 3rd, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah. Love stories and other musings. Um, I did hear the one track from it. It sounds really good. It's out on Amazon right now. Um, the track is called Believe It? Is that right?
0: Believe in it.
2: Believe in it, I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah, it sounds good. You can I know you can get it on your on your site and it looks like you can get it on Facebook as well.
0: Yeah, you can download it. I think you can download it for free from our from our webpage. I don't, I don't even know. Um I'm so kinda of bad at that stuff, I don't really keep up on it. Um I go on Facebook and I post stuff and I and I tweet but I don't really pay attention to what's on there? <laughs>
2: yeah, it's it's a well-done site. It's really clean and I like the theater motif on it. It looks it looks really good. So you have Thank you. you have some good artists working for you. I know that. So Thank God. Yeah, good to see. <laughs> I'm nowhere with that stuff. I can I can write the page, but I sure can't pull stuff off like that. Yeah, does yeah. um does the rest of the album kind of, uh, you know, you know uh is it uh somewhat in the vein of believe in it or cuz i you know it's not you can't really listen to the rest of it right now um how, how would you describe the rest of the album as far as how it fits in
0: the album is um the album is as the al- uh, as the album title is um it it is cohesive in the sense where there there these are stories that uh, there is a start and an end to the record um mm-hmm. which you know i uh, I'm very thankful for um, that we were able to pull it off the way we did. I didn't know what the sequencing was, but when we actually figured out the right sequencing for the album, I was like, wow, it really flows well. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a record that um, is more, um, it's a lot, um, a lot more on the Americana side rather than the Zeppelin classic rock side of Candlebox. Mm -hmm. Um, It is an extension of the last four Candlebox records, which I think is great. Um, you know, we talked about every album when we were in the process of writing the songs and the process of recording it. We would we would um, reference old tracks and we would reference the stories behind those um, so that we, we knew exactly where everybody was um, in the process of, of recording and writing. So there's a lot of, of drawing from um, our history as musicians, uh, not only of our own music, um, but, but some of our favorites, as well as um a lot of drawing from some contemporaries. Um there's a lot of uh, a lot of inspiration in the music today. A lot of bands that uh I I'm you know really really happy to uh, to be listening to and 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 happy to have had an opportunity to have them kind of find their way into my world to to show me new ways to make music, new ways to write songs, um influences and inspirations within my my own life that um I don't think I would have found without some of these bands that are out now
2: who, who are some of those bands
0: Arcade Fire um, The Kills um, Kings of Leon uh, you know I've been a Kings of Leon fan since that first Youth and Young Madhood, uh record uh, back in 2000 so you know I, I love where those guys have gone I, you know with or without their problems I think they've as a band um, really kind of shown the world what you can do and where you can go and how far you can take it and uh, and great producers you know um Jacques King is a fantastic producer they've worked with, us, as is Ethan Johns, you know, and, and what I listen to when I listen to a record is I listen to the production, I listen to what's inside the song. Uh, as well as the there's the words and, and um and the music and there's so much great stuff going on nowadays. There's so many cool new techniques and, and I love these, you know, drum and drum and guitar bands, um, you know, that that are making some I mean, obviously the black keys are hugely successful. Um, and, you know, but I love the tours. I love Jack White. You know, and and I I pull from a lot of those bands. You know, what would Jack White do right now? You know, yeah. and how would he sing this? Um, whereas it used to be, uh, you know, how would Otis Redding sing this? And so I'm I'm trying to to change my world. I'm trying to be inspired by those musicians that inspire me, and uh, and um, and I'm trying to inspire people with uh, my music. And and um, God, I hope I did that.
2: Yeah, yeah, sure. Now, when you um, when you record, do you use the more modern technology uh, with the Pro Tools and all that, or do you do it kind of old school with the studio and everything like that?
0: We do the studio. Um, we do tape four drums, um, and then the rest of the record's done digital. Just you know, we only had 17 days to make this record, so it was kind of you know spending time tracking to tape and, and cutting and splicing and editing. You know, we just didn't have the the luxury of of you know like a Dave Grohl taking you know three months to do. Um, uh, his last record in you know, in his garage. Hopefully, one day we do have that luxury because there's something really amazing that happens when you when you record a record analog that you know d- you don't have the opportunities of you know cutting and pasting parts to make them fit for a record, um, well, which is what Pro Tools is. You know, and, and I think that that's what Dave was trying to say when he was giving his speech to the Grammys. You know, is it, it's it's not about you know the perfect take. It's about what's within, um, that makes the song so amazing and, and a lot of people lose sight of that when they're working with Pro Tools. They you know, they try to make sure everything's absolutely spot on and you know, and then you end up taking sucking the life out of it.
2: Right, exactly. Yeah, I like how I like how Dave and the rest of the band did you know, so they did it in the garage and that's that's just awesome. That's the right the right spirit to make an album in.
0: Yep. Well it helps absolutely. to have millions of dollars to do that.
2: Well that too. I've <laughs> never heard of <laughs> that. Let's be honest no, like here, Dave. Grohl.
0: Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. The uh, looks like you're kicking off a big tour in a couple weeks.
0: Yeah, April fifth. I
2: think we kick. Yeah, Sh- Shreveport looks like you start off in and.
0: Where and, the hell uh, is Shreveport? You, Tennessee, Louisiana. Oh. What's that? Shreveport, Louisiana.
2: Yeah, it's down on the down on the Gulf. That's
0: that's great. I didn't even know we we're going there.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's where you. That's where you are first. So.
0: Hitting, uh, so you uh, did tell me <laughs> something I didn't know. I've been replaced and now I'm going to Shreveport.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Funny way to deliver that news, isn't it?
0: Thanks, man. Well I'll see you later. No, i kidding. Yeah. <laughs>
2: you're uh you're hitting our fair city on uh, May eleventh at the Alder Bar, so uh that's well I'll be here before we know it. So uh
0: That's yeah, good times.
2: Uh, yeah, good it's little a good bar. Place. Yeah, definitely a good place for a gig. So uh we're we're very much looking forward to that and uh you know everybody you know get 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 on board with the album it's coming out uh well, like like we we say April
0: What we say again April 3rd April 3rd April 3rd, yeah.
2: April 3rd yeah so you know, it looks like you can pre-order it on Amazon and uh you can also get it well candleboxrocks.com uh provides all the information about it too as well as the tour and everything else you need um so uh but uh, hey Kevin we we very much appreciate you coming on Iron City Rocks uh it's a very very uh good contribution to our to our show we appreciate it
0: my pleasure, man. Thank you for having me.
1: When he's good,
2: he's thorough good. But when he's bad, he's even better. George Thorogood and the Destroyers. And on the same night, Delbert McClinton. Doors at 6.30, July 31st at Stage A.E. Outdoors. George Thorogood and the Destroyers and Delbert McClinton together live. Reserve seat tickets are on sale now at all Ticketmaster outlets by phone and online. Brought to you by Promo West North Shore and Coors Light.
3: I always wanted to learn to play guitar, but never had the time. Then I heard about Progressions Music Studio. Progressions introduced me to an entirely new and convenient method of music instruction. They brought the music to me. The instructors from Progressions Music Studio came to my home with their knowledge and expertise, which saved me time and money. They worked around my schedule and tailored a program around my needs and skill level. Best of all... I learned to play music like a guitar king of the 1960s. We didn't spend all of our time with drills or tunes from the 1860s. Progressions Music Studio offers a lot more than guitar. In fact, they have instructors for almost all instruments. Now I can rock it out on my electric like never before. Just imagine what they can do for you or the budding musician in your family. Don't make excuses, make music. Check them out on the web at progressionsmusicstudio.com. That's P-R-O-G-R-E-S-S-I-O-N-S, musicstudio.com, or call 724-777-4678.
1: Nickelback is back to rock you. Nickelback in a brand new stage show that has to be seen to be believed. April 25th at Consol Energy Center. Nickelback with special guests. Bush. Seether. And my darkest days. Nickelback. Tickets are on sale now. Buy tickets at LiveNation.com. All right, a big thanks to Kevin from Candlebox. They will be at Alter Bar in the Strip District of Pittsburgh on May 11th. As I mentioned earlier, they have a new album out. Uh, It came out uh, in in April, uh, I believe early April, if I'm not mistaken. So you can pick that up at Amazon and all the usual spots. So uh, don't want to miss that uh, band that had some really, really good success over the years. So it'd be cool to see them in an intimate uh, venue such as the Altar Bar. Up next, we have an artist who uh, had an album that came out when I was in my early teens. Had a single called Take Me Home Tonight, and I uh, immediately bought the cassette, but I have to say the entire album really spoke to me. Still really enjoy listening to Can't, the Can't Hold Back album to this day. Uh, found out he was coming to the Rivers Casino in Pittsburgh for two shows in one night. Uh, so uh, got him on the phone. We did an interview. Unfortunately, there were some technical recording issues on my end. I uh, lost some of the interview. I was able to salvage a few minutes of it, so I wanted to share that with you. Uh, it was really cool to talk to him. He's one of the funniest people I have ever had the pleasure of speaking to for Iron City Rock. So, without further ado, let's get to what I was able to salvage from Eddie
4: Money. This is John.
5: Johnny, what's up, buddy? Um, well, you know, I got that cut. One more soldier coming home. All the money goes to the Interpretable Fund. And if I can get somebody like Dick Rich on there or uh, Jamie Johnson or somebody big, I'll be smoking, you know, I'll how, how help these troops out. Well, we got the reality TV shit coming out, the Money Madness Under One Roof, and that's, I mean, we make the Osborns look like uh, Ozzy and Harriet, for
4: <laughs> God's sakes. That's a
5: dysfunctional it, my kids are.
4: Is that, um, have you had any interest in networks with that yet, or is that still something in, like, Well, you know
5: products? what, I don't think they did, they did a sizzle roll, and the guys that did Seinfeld, and was, and some of the writers from Seinfeld thought the sizzle roll was hilarious. Because it was like, you know, Chester kick on stage, and I told her to do a certain song, and of course she did whatever the fuck she wanted to do. She mm-hmm. drives me out of my mind. And, uh, I don't know, they, they thought the single role was really, really funny. Mm-hmm. Now they're shooting another role, and then they're going to probably, you know, over sell it to a network and do something.
4: Yeah, so that'll, that'll be Oops. something we can look forward to. And in the, uh, in I got my,
5: and I got my fingers closed. Every time I pay my pet on a wishbone, I always get the short end of it,
4: you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can hear you there. Um, you had mentioned the Intrepid Fallen Heroes. That's uh, fallenheroesfund.org to get some more information about that.
5: Yeah, yeah. You go to the go to the, go to the Intrepid Fallen Heroes Fund, and it's all these kids. they got two facilities, like I said, one in San Antonio mm-hmm. with 110 beds. Yeah, so, you know, I'm looking forward to uh, having a good year. We'll see what happens. We've got the TV show, we've got the new single coming out, and of course, I'll be putting out another record probably. So, I'm going to be calling it Shake That Thing. Eddie Young mm-hmm. to Shake That Thing. Yeah, nice. i got an instrumental that's called Shake That Thing in Incredible! They're going to love it
4: on FM Radio. Awesome! And again, you're going to be coming in this Saturday night. You mentioned you're going to be at BB King's on Friday night. Saturday night, you'll be at the Rivers Casino in Pittsburgh doing two shows.
5: So. Yeah, we I mean, the show in Pittsburgh, and we got a lot of friends in Pittsburgh. I can't wait to get down there. Yeah. I remember when Pittsburgh was a little town, man. When the uh, original Pittsburgh grew up, the airport before US Air got in there, yeah, it was like it looked like Mayberry. I don't know if you remember when you were a little kid. They had like a barber shop, a sweet shop, and it was <laughs> this little airport. And all of a sudden, it's like. Now it's like going to, two, I don't know, it's
4: like Keatsville, for Christ's sake. It's yeah, there. it's not quite as busy as we'd like to see it, you know, with the economy and things, but, you know, it's it's doing okay. Thank you so much, Eddie. It's been a pleasure. All
5: right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.
1: the track was called Surf Hell from the band Little Barry. Uh, you can find more information on these guys out at Little Barry. That's B-A-R-R-I-E dot com. Uh, they were in Pittsburgh earlier this year. Aaron had an opportunity to speak with them. So we're going to get to that interview right now.
6: Ladies and gentlemen, on the show today, we have Barry of the band Little Barry. Um, a surf rock kind of band. So Barry, how you doing?
7: Yeah, good, thanks. How are you?
6: Good, good, good. Thanks for coming on the show today. So Barry, for... Um, for our listeners who are not familiar with your music, could you give us a little bit of background on, uh, yourself and the band?
7: Um, yeah, I suppose, you know, uh, the band started about, um, kind of about 10 years ago, really, um, when I sort of started out, I wanted to do a band as a, or kind of do music, a solo project, but then it sort of became a band. I moved from Nottingham, where I grew up, to London, uh, with our first drummer, and I met Lewis, the bass player, and, yeah, we just started sort of gigging around, really, around London, and. So then, a couple of years or years so after that, we hooked, We probably got hooked up with Edwin Collins, who was probably the biggest influence on us in the fact that he had an amazing studio. He sort of helped us record an album when we were sort of didn't really have any money and any support from anyone, and that really got us got a foot in the door, really, you know. Uh, and then from there on, we got things like a few support tours and started touring ourselves. It sort of went from there, really. Uh, you know, when we started the band, we wanted to do something that combined the elements of sort of rhythm and blues and soul music that we like, but with more of a kind of rock and roll attitude as well, you know. Yeah,
6: you know, and, and, and um, listening to your latest record, you've definitely got that that classic rocker, rock, rock and roll vibe, um, but you still kept it kind of modern. Like yeah, what, I, mean, um, I mean, so, No, sorry.
7: go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Uh, yeah, could he... Hello? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, it's, it's good to so, say... Yeah, I mean, when we first started out, we were probably more directly kind of soul influence, funk influence. but as we've gone on, you know, other influences come in. You kind of get interested in other things as well, you know, so we've brought, I suppose, different, different elements come into it, you know, so it of kind of psychedelia and sort of, you know, guitar-instrumental stuff, even kind of a surf and garage sound, you know, it's came into it a bit more as well, you know. Yeah,
6: and actually, I, I, I love your surf sound. So let's talk a little bit about how you get some of those guitar tones. Like, um, what kind of guitars are you playing? What kind of amps effects? Like, I, your sound uh, is so edgy. Like, I really, really like it. I'd love to know how you how you achieve that.
7: Oh, right. I mean, a lot of it is, um, is really straightforward. You know, when we're recording, a lot of it is old guitars into old amps, you know, like old valve amps, and just turning them up, really. Um, you know, and then, but um, a lot of it was done with, I have a. And old Gibson 330 guitar from 1962. I used okay. that a lot with a 1963 Fender Bassman amp. And just turned it up loud, you know. And uh, and a lot of that was to do with, a lot of that was the sound. And Edwin's got a lot of guitars as well in his studio. So, you know, I used a few of his, like Kovol guitars and a few other things on my own, you know, a Jazzmaster and a few other things. But, uh, but a lot of it was just using that really in sort of you know, reverbs and stuff, you know, to that kind of ideas from the sort of surf thing, you know. But the effects were quite minimal, really. A lot of it's just straight, you know, just turning the amps up, doing it kind of the old school way, I suppose. So the, like,
6: the, the overdrive sound of the guitars, that was just done by um, driving the, the bass man?
7: Yeah, yeah, we didn't use any overdrive pedals. So there's occasionally used, like, fuzz pedals, you know, for a more kind of brutal sound, but, but the, the main the main drives, that's just, yeah, just turn the volume up on an old amp, you know. It's a much better way of doing it. It's just an I completely better than, agree.
6: Yeah, yeah, and, and it's such a such a nice sound. I mean, it's it, it's so it's so edgy. Like it has that has that real way to just break down sound to it.
7: Yeah, we we did all the album with two amps. We did it with my old fender bass bassman and Edwin's old fender Vibrolux. And that, so that was all all the guitar sounds on the album were done with those two amps.
6: Oh, that's fantastic. Now, are you touring with with that Gibson three three zero now, or what's your main touring guitar?
7: No, I couldn't bring it, so I just brought a, a cheap Epiphone Casino because as thing as the guitar's fifty years old now. So I don't take it yeah. on tour so much, you know. Um, so it's, it's a little bit delicate, you know. You don't always know how it's going to get handled on flights and stuff. So um, for this first tour, I just brought a cheap one with me, but I've been using a few, uh, a few sort of other people's guitars as well. You know, I use an old Jazzmaster tour and a few other things. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. All right. So what's your um, what's your
6: songwriting process like? Like, I mean, again, you get such a classic, you have such a classic sound, but yet it's not dated? Like, so what do you guys do? How do you write the songs? Do you sit down as a group? Do you start to, um, kind of put stuff uh, together?
7: I mean, it, it, they're not, they don't, songs don't always come about the same way, but most of them, you know, I might have made a rough demo of some kind, um, just, just maybe on my own, just a very basic sort of rhythm pattern and, and then just a very rough arrangement, but then, you know, i you know, then maybe I'll play it to Lewis and Virgil. We'll start kicking it around together, you know, arrangements, trying different things and stuff. So, that's the way we tend to do it. I mean some songs came out of song like Tip It Over just came out of a bit of a sort of jam really and then I cut a rough demo on my own from, from a riff that we just sort of looped, you know. And then uh and then we just started playing around with it, you know. So but normally it's sort of music first and then the lyrics come a little after, you know. And then, but then we start kicking it around as a band, you know, and that's when it really becomes what it is.
6: Now, do you guys like to have it completely finished before you go to the studio, or do you like to go to the studio with a rough idea and then kind of change things if the mood strikes you? Uh, we
7: normally we normally go into the studio when we're actually doing to do final recordings, knowing what, exactly what we're doing, because the danger of not doing that is that you can... Especially in a studio where you've got lots of options sound-wise and, and stuff that you can... If you don't go in there with decisions already made, you can end up wasting a lot of time, you know, because you don't really... You know, trying try to write in the studios is too expensive. We can't afford to do that either. And also, it, oh, yeah. it, it you know, it, it, you can end up sort of lacking a bit of discipline doing it that way, I think, which isn't always healthy. We did that at Edwin Collins' studio in North London. He's got all that amazing, you know, he's got all the proper microphones, a proper old knees desk, and he's got all his musical equipment there as well. And him and his engineer, Seb, are just brilliant people to work with. So it was, uh, it was the perfect place for us because we knew we'd get the right sound in there. You know? Yeah, that's pretty cool.
6: Um, so how's the tour going so far? You said you're between uh, Madison and what was that again?
7: Uh, Minneapolis run you away on to now, yeah. Um, yeah, it's been really good. We've been supporting Charles Bradley. Uh, we met Charles when we did um, a couple of gigs were on the same bill. You know, we didn't know each other then um, in Spain. We just got on really well with him and his band and his guitarist, Tommy, put us, recommended us for this U.S. tour. It's the, it's the opening act and we got it, so it's sort of thanks to them that we're here, really. It's uh, our first tour for the U.S., been going really well so far.
6: So, since um, you, you primarily gig, I guess, like in London Europe, how do how do the U.S. audiences compare um, to to the European audiences?
7: I mean, generally, the response we've got from audiences all over has been really good. Um, but we've been, it's been really well received here in, in, in the States. It's, I think the audiences have been, you know, they really participate, and it's, it's been, um, They've been really cool because, also because we're in the opening acts. you know, people aren't really here to see us, so you don't know if people are going to be interested in you or not, but, but so far the reaction's been really good, you know, we've had a really cool response, so they've been great, you know. Sometimes I think in England good. people are a little bit too reserved, you know, in certain cities. People are, you know, don't always want to, uh, I mean, I said this so on the other day, they don't always want to let their hair down, you know, too much in case someone notices them and doesn't think it's very cool, you know. You can get a bit of that in England, but that doesn't seem to be the case here in the States. Yeah. That's awesome.
6: <clears throat> All right. Um, so, Mary, I don't want to take up any more of your time because I know you guys are very busy on tour. So I want to thank you for coming on the show today.
7: Oh, no, thank you. Thank you
1: all right and that about wraps it up for this episode of iron city rocks we thank you for listening uh if you like the show we have 151 other episodes uh of all kind of different musical tastes uh i know we have quite a bit of hard rock and metal guests on the show but we also have had uh several really great blues legends uh we try to keep it all over the map which i think this episode was a fine example uh we had uh a, almost a pop rock star uh, a band that would you would consider probably adult rock at this point and Candlebox and Little Barry who sounds a lot like the a new version of music my parents used to listen to in the 60s so really all over the map and that's what you can uh, hopefully come to expect from Iron City Rocks we invite you to check out our website ironcityrocks.com facebook.com forward slash iron city rocks we uh plead with you to like us on there uh, we can stay in touch with you that way or you can drop us an email at iron city rocks at gmail.com you can also check us out on the cast iron rings website which is cast iron ring.com for those of you into the heavier music cast iron ring is a collection of shows uh, primarily hard rock and metal shows uh, to which we're part. we also have uh, aaron who. Did this past interview, uh, has a show on there called Signal to Noise, which is all about gear. So, a lot of really super content, all uh, kind of aggregated in one place at castironring.com. Also, uh, we have a mobile app for your iPhone uh, that you can download, uh, listen to all the shows, including Iron City Rocks. So, if you go to the iPhone store, I'm sorry, the iTunes store, search for Cast Iron Ring, you can find that app. It's free. Uh, it takes very little memory, so we invite you to check that out. Invite you to come back with us next time as we're going to have more of the same next time. Take care. <laughs>